are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Well, it is Remembrance Day Sunday, and you know, this whole thing started actually probably six or seven months ago, where I was on a trip, uh, and uh, we, we went down to the States, and I noticed something that I thought was really cool, and I, I really noticed how the Americans loved on their military and their military families, and I was really put back by that, like, wow, there's such a, there's such a reverence and such a, you know what, just so many people, thank you for serving, and, and uh, at the airport, you know, uh, we just want to invite our, our premium class members and any military members who are dressed in uniform, and, and I'm just like, that is, that is so important, and with us being in a military town, I, I think it just becomes common, you know, sometimes things that are value, things that are special become common, and you, you don't you, you usually notice that. So I, I was, we had a meeting with military families and said, listen, one of our core values here at Coley Community Church is honor. And it's just not for we want to honor our people, we want to honor our pastors, we want to honor, we just want to really do honoring well. And we said, how can we honor military families, and we, we came up with a few ideas, and one of them was to do a, a, a blessing service for the military, and uh, we're going to step into that in a few minutes. But we, my friends, as your pastor, I just want to remind you to walk in that culture of honor. You know, after we talked about that, it was just a little reminder for me, and after, the, after we had that meeting, I went over to McDonald's, and I just looked at my rearview mirror, and it was a military guy in the back. I'm like, you know what? Can you buy the meal of that guy behind me? Like, I'll, I'll buy the meal for the guy behind me. And I said, would you just tell him thanks for serving? I just want to, what would our community look like if we really loved on our military members and their families? You know, do, do you think that, that one person in this room, if they, one person would catch this, do you think that there can be just such change in our community because a military member feels loved? See, I, I've had the privilege of sitting with many military families, and I know with, there's so many cutbacks right now in the military that, that morale goes down and down and down. But when we just come alongside and say, you know what, I just want to, I just want to buy your coffee this morning. Thank you for serving. It just, it just puts a spark in there. You know, I, I, like, I don't know about you in your life, but maybe at your job when someone comes by and says, whoa, well done. This is, this is good work here. It just kind of makes you feel better. You know what, sometimes you, uh, myself, you'll preach a message and people are like, wow, that was a great message. And, and other times it's like, well, I've heard you preach better, right? And, and, and it, there's, just this, there's just this carotid that's just like, wow, Lord, how am I to bring my A game today? Help me, God, to be able to, to be the best pastor that I possibly can be. 
and for our military members, help our military members to be the best that they can be in the difficult position that they're in, where you know what? At any moment, they could leave their family to serve our country. Remembrance Day was first observed in 1919. Throughout the British Commonwealth, it was commonly called Armitage Day. To come around, to come, uh, come I need to change these lips this morning. I'm really struggling. To commemorate Armistice Agreement that ended the First World War on Monday, November the 11th, 1918, at 11 a.m. on the 11th hour on the 11th day. Every year on November the 11th, Canadians pause for a moment of silence to honor and remember the men and women who have served and continue to serve Canada during the times of war, conflict, and peace. We remember more than 1.5 million Canadians who have served throughout our nation's history and the more than 118,000 who made the ultimate sacrifice for us. A time to remember. I don't know if you've ever been with somebody who is passing away, but as a, as a minister, I get that experience and, and really that privilege often. When that happens and when you really love the person who is passing... I find that there's a common thread that just kind of comes out over and over and over again. And you know what that common thread is? It's not like, you know what, you, are, you work hard and you make a lot of money and you do this and you do that. It, it, that's never come up. But people want to just pour out advice. Pastor, let me leave you with this. Remember how important your wife is. Remember to put your family first. Remember to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and all thy mind. And people just like to come alongside and give you just sort of a little, remember this. Because my life is about to end, and there's one thing that I've found that is really important, and I want to pour that into your heart. Remember. Last week, I closed the series, The Culture of Heaven, with the scripture found in Luke 22, where Jesus tells his disciples, I among you as one who serves. This Sunday, I also want to look at that exact same scripture, but from a different angle. If you have your Bibles, you can open it up to Luke 22, and I'm going to start in verse 14. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins, for I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until the meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's about to pay the ultimate price for our freedom. And he says to his friends, the disciples, You know what, guys? This isn't a big teaching moment, but it's a buddy moment. He says, Guys, in 24 hours, I will not be walking among you. Will you remember me? Will you remember our times together? Will you remember the lessons that you've learned? Will you remember the importance of God? Will you remember? 
We need to constantly make ways for us to remember things, don't we? Because as people, we have a way of forgetting. How many people in this room, by just the show of hands, have ever had a brand new vehicle? Wow, we are a blessed group. Do you remember when you first got that brand new vehicle, that new car smell? Isn't that just the cat's meow? You walk in there, oh man, this is good. And you know, you put your little mats down on the floor and you put your little chamois around the back of your chairs because you want that smell to remain there longer than three days. And you buy the little new car scent spray, but oh no, no, it's not the same. No, no it's not. It says new car smell, but it's not. It's a fake. And you walk in that car and, and, and you immediately have this urge to drive. I just want to drive my car. I just want to spend time in my car because it's so valuable and I love it. I love my car. I love my truck. It's great. Then all of a sudden you drive by and pick up a friend and say, hey, hop on in. And they're like, wow, this is nice wheels. Oh, yeah. Before we drive, let's just take a moment. Smell that? <laughs> New car scent. And you sit there in the parking lot sniffing the vehicle. And then you start to drive and your buddy reaches over and says, hey, you know what, man? I'm, I'm hungry. What do you say we just make a quick drive through at McDonald's there, pick up a couple of snacks? And you're like, no! I don't want to lose this amazing smell with a cheeseburger. Because if I do that, it's going to change. And, and, and we fight that and we keep that. But the longer as time goes by and it goes by so quickly, all of a sudden before we know it, we're driving to Edmonton with a, eating a Mr. Sub and it's falling all over us. And we're, we've got pizzas in the back and we don't care because we forgot. We forgot about the value we forgot about the worth and that new car smell is all but a memory. We forget things in our culture so fast. I'm 43 years old and I find that I'm starting to forget things more and more. True story. Like last week I drove to the church. I, needed, I, I was at home and I was using my laptop and my, my power was almost dead. I'm like, oh, I left my cord at the church. So I got in the, the vehicle and I came over to the church and I'm listening to music in the, in the truck and I'm having a great old time and I pull in the church parking lot and I jump out, I grab my keys and I close the door. I'm like, well, what am I here for? <laughs> and I couldn't remember. I'm like, um. And I'm just like, I, I just can't remember. Have you done that? We forget things. But remembering is so important, and that's why we have Remembrance Day every single year on the 11th day, just to say, stop the busyness, stop the chaos, stop your cycles, and let's pause and remember. Remembering is a tool that we see in the Old Testament. We see that people would build altars, or they call them Ebenezer's, to help remember. 
Genesis 28.10 says, when God promised that he would always be with Jacob. Genesis 33, when God rescued Jacob from Esau, they built an altar. Genesis 35, again to remember, when God rescued Jacob from Esau, they built an altar. Exodus 17, when God defeated the Amalekites, he built an altar. Exodus 24, when God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses, they built an altar. Joshua 4, 1-9, when God dried up the Jordan River so that people could cross safely, they built an altar. Why? So they wouldn't forget the majesty of God. So grandfathers could teach their sons and sons could teach their kids. All of a sudden they're walking by and says, what's that pile of rocks there, son? Come here. We never want to forget that. That pile of rocks right there was when the Lord delivered us from the Egyptians. That pile of rocks right there was when, when God delivered me from, from, uh, from Esau and, and when all this kind of stuff happened to be able to let generation after generation after generation remember. This morning, I want to take a moment in our service, a brief moment, because we don't like silence. It's like, what's going on? Even when that little bit of a pause before the music started there, like people in the front are like, oh, are you not going up? What are you doing? It's, it's awkward. Everyone's like, what's going on right now? There's a pause. There's a lull. We don't like it. But just to take that moment and just say, God, we're going to do this on November the 11th at 11 o'clock. But Lord, we also want to just take a moment in our service and honor you and our military families who have gone before us. Let's pause. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus again was sitting around with his friends and he made this statement, remember me. Today I'd like us to have three ways, three key ways that we can remember Jesus. If I just got everybody in this room for a moment, just to close your eyes and picture Jesus, what picture would you get in your head? Can you see him? What's he look like? Go ahead and open your eyes. I wonder if many people saw this picture. Jesus holding the lamb. Do I not have, uh, not getting any signal? I wonder how many people saw the picture of Jesus holding a lamb in his lap. It's a real nice picture. The blonde hair, blue-eyed Jesus. I wonder if we picture Jesus as someone who is just skittles and rainbows. 
love and happiness. A wimpy Jesus, afraid to, to rock the boat and afraid to stand up for what is right. See, in John chapter 8, starting in verse 48, it says, Then Jews, and this is from the message this morning because I really like how they wrote it. The Jews said, that clinches it. We were right all along when we called you a Samaritan and you said you were crazy, demon-possessed. Jesus said, I'm not crazy. I'm simply honoring my Father while you dishonor me. I'm not trying to get anything for myself. God intends something glorious, grand here, and is making the decisions that will bring it about. I say this with absolute confidence. If you practice what I'm telling you, you'll never have to look death in the face. At this point, the Jews said, now we know you're crazy. Abraham died, the prophets died, and now you show up saying, if you practice what I'm telling you, you will never have to face death? Not even a taste. Are you greater than Abraham who died and the prophets who also died? Who do you think you are? Jesus said, if I turned the spotlight on myself, it wouldn't amount to anything but my father. The same one you say is your father put me here at this time and place of splendor but you haven't recognized him in this, but I have. If I have falsely modesty said I didn't know what was going on, I would be as much of a liar as you, but I do not know, and I am doing what he says. Abraham, your father, uh, with jubilant faith, looked down in the corridors of history and saw my day coming. He even cheered for it. The Jews said, you're not even 50 years old, and Abraham saw you? Believe me, said Jesus, I am who I am long before Abraham was anything. That did it. It pushed them over the edge. They picked up rocks to throw at them, but Jesus simply slipped away getting out of the temple. See, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he uses those sacred words at the very end there, the exact same words that God used to Moses, I am. That was not reserved for any person that was only reserved for God and Jesus used it and the Pharisees lost it. So much so they picked up the stones ready to throw them. Jesus was a man, but he was also God. Jesus had a, a, a destiny here on the earth to come and die for you and me to be able to give us access into heaven. He was a sacrificial lamb. He could have called down at any time a legion of angels to set him free, but he chose to walk the course. And I'm so thankful. So my friends, we need to remember who Jesus is. Remember who I am. If you flip over to Revelations 22, 13, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and end. What does that mean? It means for us as believers, we have hope. Jesus saw us being formed in utter seclusion. It says that in Psalms 139, in the darkness of his womb. Jesus will, will be with us at the end to be able to comfort us. Are you afraid? Are you, are, are you one of those people who struggle with, I don't want to be alone? He promises us that he'll never leave us or forsake us. You are not alone, even if nobody is around. He's with you. So if he is at the beginning and he is at the end, then guess what? Maybe right now you're in the middle. Maybe right now you're going through the press. Maybe right now life is tough and it's difficult. And it's just like, Jesus, what is going on? 
He is walking with you hand in hand. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. My friends, we can never forget that. He is with us at all times. I am who I am. Remember who Jesus is. Number two, we need to remember what he's done. See, personally, one of my favorite psalms in the scriptures is Psalms 40. It reminds me that Jesus lifted me out of the muck and mire. He placed my feet upon a rock and made my footsteps firm. See, I grew up in Toronto. I did a lot of things there that I'm sure I could have any one of my buddies stand up in this service and say, there's no way you should be a pastor. I got skeletons in my closet. I'm a pretty transparent guy, but I got things that I'd be just like, you know what? I hope that nobody ever knows about that because that's not who I am anymore. And my friends, I can stand before you this morning and declare that I'm a new creation. Not because of how hard I worked to get set free. Because the best of my intentions are likened unto filthy rags. But I can stand before Jesus and say, Jesus, I messed up. I'm a failure, and I don't deserve to be leading a church spiritually. And Jesus says, I got your back. The work that I did on the cross is sufficient for you, Steve's. And all that stuff that is back there, whenever the enemy brings it back and starts to remind me of my past, I can stand in his face and say, Satan, that's not who I am today. I've been bought with a price. And my past may be a shady past, but my future is so bright because Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. And every single one of us in this room can stand and say, I will not let my past dictate who I am anymore because that's not who I am. And when Satan starts to say, you hypocrite, here you are sitting in church, lifting hands, pretending to be spiritual. See, John 3.17 says there's no guilt or condemnation through Christ Jesus. And when all of a sudden you feel, start to feel guilt and condemnation, you know that is not from the Lord. And when all of a sudden you start to feel like, oh, I'm a hypocrite. I shouldn't be raising my hands. You know what? I've been trying to get set free from smoking, and I had a cigarette this week. Oh, man, if anybody knows, it's bad. Or, or I've got stuff in my life that everybody knows. Anybody knows. They would pull me up in front of the church, and they would humiliate me, and they would throw me out. Guys, if you're looking, if you're a guest here and you're looking for a church, I want you to know as the senior pastor of this church, we are not a perfect church. And if you look for faults, you're going to find them because they're everywhere. I was so frustrated this morning before I preached. I was out in the uh, foyer there, and there was such a rigmarole happening at the, uh, at the children's login thing. I'm just like, seriously, we're not perfect. 
And one of the things that you read is guests don't wait like waiting in lines, and there was a lineup this morning. Sorry. And Ernie, I love him so much, but sometimes he doesn't start right on time. And it drives me bonkers. Sorry. We're not perfect. But we love Jesus. And we're striving to be the church that he wants us to be. Not the church maybe that you think we should be but the church that God has called us to be. Because you know what? In our community, we have some amazing churches, and that is the body of Christ. We're not all to be the same. God has different body parts working alongside, and when they come together, that is the fulfillment of the body of Christ in this area. And we say, God, what is our role here, and how can we step into the function that you have for us? My friends, remember what Christ has done for you. One of my favorite authors is Mark Batterson, and he says, you know what? In my office, I have a shelf of weird things. And people come in and say, like, why? Like, you expect to see on walls, like, like trophies. Maybe in, in Cold Lake deer heads, you know? Something that is just kind of, oh, yeah, oh, yeah that's, that's a buck. And you're proud of that buck. So it's on your wall. Hey, tell me about that trophy. Well, I, well you know what? When I was in grade eight, our team won the hockey championship. That's what that trophy's all about. It's like awesome. But Mark Batterson, one of the things that he has on his wall is a Coke can. People are like, why have you got an empty Coke can on your wall? He says, because that Coke can reminds me, and he tells a story of what Jesus did for him. My friends, we can set up Ebenezer's in our house. People come in and don't expect to see Coke cans on your wall but you take something that reminds you of the faithfulness of God and you put that on display as a reminder to you and your household that is what the Lord has done for us. I've asked my wife to come and share a little bit of our story or her story and uh, she just said, no, I'm not doing it. All right, we're not a perfect people. We don't have a perfect marriage. Right? It's half perfect. <laughs> just joking. Uh, <laughs> actually, um, we were married in 1994. Lance was in Bible college, and um, there was no new, care, new car smell in our life, let me tell you. And, but there were a lot of cheeseburger smells. Uh, and it was ironic because he was in Bible college to be a pastor, and we would have our worst fights driving to church. Just crazy. Like, we would get, by the time we would get in the door... We'd always sit in the back, usually, because we were ticked off. And you'd be so friendly to everyone. Hi, hi, hi. And we'd be sitting there. And even during the worship part, we'd still be fighting a bit. Like, no, that's not what I said. Yes, it is. And so we would think somehow that nobody would have a clue what was happening around us. I don't know why we never got a church in Edmonton. But anyway, so we couldn't, you know, we had this pattern. And, you know, it was either all in passion or all in fighting. And it was just back and forth all the time. So that was kind of our normal newlywed phase. And as we wanted so desperately to have children from the beginning, um, after a couple of years of this nothing happening, we'd gone to the doctor and found out, you know, doctors are so encouraging. Yeah, 
it's not going to happen. It's hopeless. And it's just like, isn't medical science like supposed to be really great by now? This is 1996 at this point. It's like, well, really, you guys, you know, it's just not going to happen. Look into other things. And I remember that week feeling like, wow, like it, it just sounded so final. No hope. No hope at all. And, and you just look at your partner and you just think, if you knew this about me before, would you have still married me? Like, and all the things, I mean, there's things you naturally go through. And then the enemy doesn't say, well, I'm going to step back and give them some space because, you know, they're going through a hard time. No, the, the word says that he's like, an, and he's like a lion. He's crouching and he's just waiting for the opportune time. So he's just totally pouring on us the feelings of rejection and disappointment. And I remember that morning going to church and I had no fight left in me. It was, I had no, uh, we had no issues to talk about. And I remember going in church just feeling like in a numb. And so I'm sitting in the chair in the pew and the whole service goes on. Couldn't tell you a thing about what happened that Sunday morning. And, um, but something happened at the end of the service. This man comes up to me and he was probably about 55 I'd never seen him before, and he was crying, and not just a little bit, like he was shaking crying, and um, I thought, oh my goodness, like somebody's probably died in the parking lot, I better get someone, and he squeezes out the words, I need to talk to you and your husband, and I'm like, okay, so I get Lance, I get him over there, and I'm like, okay, and he says, I just want you guys to know, he says, you don't know me, he says, I'm a farmer. He says, I've never been to this church before. He says, but I want you to know that God told me to tell you something. We're like, okay. And he said, God says to tell you, you're going to have a baby. And all I can say is that for all the disappointment I walked in with, for all the feelings of rejection and, and just deflated and depleted of all hope, suddenly in my spirit, this big whoo happened. And I felt like, God, you see me. You know me. And it was like the secret thing in my heart. God, he was so gracious. He, gave, he sent someone who didn't even know us. He didn't even know nothing about us. And the man felt so awkward. He's like, I can't. I'm sorry, like it's personal, and I don't know you. And, you know, he just, I felt bad for him that he felt so uncomfortable. But I was so thankful that God did it in such a mysterious way. So all that to say that, we had thought, oh, okay, awesome. I bought 100 pregnancy tests because I thought it's going to happen any day. Didn't happen so fast. It took 10 years. But you want to know what I wish I remembered? I wish that I had remembered not the man, not that Sunday, but you know what I really wish I remembered was that feeling of, his, of the Holy Spirit's hope rising up in me because there were so many times I lost track of that, and it just... It just made our journey, you know, what it was. But it, I wish I had enjoyed that 10 years and said, you know what? God said it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I wish that's my story. But no, I was a crazy psycho wife, and there's lots more stuff in there. <laughs> but if only I had remembered that part, that part of I know it's God because nobody else could have done this. Only God could send the most unusual person to give us that message, and it happened. It was awesome. Now we have three kids, and now I cry because sometimes I'm like, Lord, you blessed us so much. But, yeah, thank you.
And the last one uh, is remember what Jesus is going to do. First Thessalonians 4.13 says, But we do not want to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these, verse, with these words. My friends, I don't know who you are. And I don't know your hearts this morning. But the Bible tells us that God is love, but there's also coming a day when Christ is coming back. And we could take hope as a church for our loved ones who have gone before us because we know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But if you're here this morning, and maybe you've been playing church for many years. Or maybe you don't even know why you're here this morning. You just kind of showed up and you're like, wow, I wasn't expecting this. This morning I want you to know that a day is coming. And every day is getting closer to that moment where Jesus Christ is going to come again. And when he comes again, those who walk in that place who have the Lord in our heart will be taken. And those who don't will be left behind. I don't usually use a fear-mongering thing because the results are you scare people into heaven and then they fall away. And, and I'm not trying to do that this morning. But I am painting a reality because I don't want to not talk about that either. The Bible is the truth. The Bible is the authority, our authority. And the Bible says that we will not know the day or the hour, but he's coming back. And if our hearts are not right before the Lord, we will miss out on that glorious day. And I just want to pause there before we continue with our military blessing service. And as we're talking about remembering this morning, maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now saying, I want to walk in relationship with you. I want to call you son. I want to call you daughter. I want you to spend the rest of your days here on the earth getting to know who I am because I know who you are. I know how many hairs you have on your head. That is such an amazing opportunity and an amazing experience knowing that, you know what, there's no such thing as a magical prayer. Like, I'm going to lead you through a prayer, but there's no such thing as a magical prayer that's just going to do it for you. But it's a circumcision of the heart 
where you say, Lord, I give you my heart, and I no longer want to live for myself, but Jesus, I invite you to be Lord and Savior. That is when transformation takes place. So if you're here this morning, and that's you, would you just raise your hand with me this morning and say, pray for me, because I want to know Jesus. Thanks, bud. Is there anyone else? Yeah, thanks. Anybody else? Thanks, bro. Anyone else this morning? Father, I just thank you for every single person in this place. And Lord, we want to remember what you've done, who you are, and what you're going to do. And Lord, for those three people this morning who put up their hand and said, Jesus, I don't want to leave here like I came, but I want to invite you into my heart this morning. Father, would you just fill their, their hearts right now? Lord, the Bible says that our body is a temple. And Lord, they are opening up their temple this morning saying, would you come in and be Lord? Because I don't want to live for me. I don't want to live for the enemy. But God, I want to invite you. And all that stuff that we've done in our past, Lord, God, it's in the past. And Jesus, you are our future. And God, you've got great gifts and plans for us. And guess what? We're going to make mistakes and fall short of the glory of God. But our hope is that we can come before him and say, God, I blew it again. Would you forgive me? And he's so faithful to say, son, I got you. Daughter, I've got you. You are with me. So I bless every person in this room, God. Lord, for the people who have been walking in life and allowing their past to dictate who they are, and Lord, we've all got things that we just don't want people to find out, or we just don't want people to know, things that we're not proud of, we're ashamed of, God. But Lord, you want to wipe away that shame. You want to take away that guilt. You want to lift us out of the muck and mire and place our feet upon a rock and make our footsteps firm. For God, you are a good God, and our future in you is bright. So Lord, we give you our futures, and we declare that you are our God. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Holy Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Holy Community Church, a place where families come together.